and then we're going to be quiet. What are you, what are you doing? I'm going to have a beer. A, we're doing a podcast. You can't have a beer. Why not? Because, you know, you just, you can't. It's against the rules. Yeah, that's good. Is it? That's a good one. Is it, what, what, what are you drinking? Oh, yeah. Actually, <laughs> I really like that. Um, This would be uh, Oberon Ale. Bell's Oberon Ale. An American wheat ale with a spicy hop character, mildly fruity aromas, and the color and scent of a sunny afternoon. You know our podcast is about books, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to have a beer while we do this. Is that okay? I guess. <laughs> Jeez. Here, I got one for you, too. You did? Yeah. Oh, well, thanks. All right. All right. That's not bad. It's not bad. I've had worse. Okay. What are we talking about tonight? Other than beer. We are reviewing a book that we both just, well, listened to on uh, Audible. Audible. I believe our podcast is the only podcast not brought to you by Audible. Not brought to you by Audible. So this book is called uh, Shades of Milk and Honey. This is by Mary Robinette Cowell. Cowell? I think it's Cowell. I think that's how I heard it pronounced Cowell. on Audible. K-O-W-A-L. A-L. Do you want to give us a, the, the publisher's summary there? All right. So here's the thing. I think we can already go ahead and say, you already know that I did not like her accent. You did not like her accent. That's actually, her accent is the first thing in my notes. But are we gonna do the? Are we do the accent? Are you gonna do it in a British accent? I was gonna read this in a British accent, so everyone else can decide which they think is better. That's okay. That was my thought. You go right so ahead, honey. That. You you because I'm listening as I'm listening, and it was read. Actually, it was read by the author. Um, wait, wait, wait! I'm Matthew, and I'm Mariah, and this is Legendary Pants Book Club. Sorry, continue. Yeah, there you go. Um, so it was read by the author, and although I, I think my British accent might be better, I haven't done different voices for characters, so I can't judge on that, because I don't know yeah. how much better I am. But anyway, are you ready? I so am. So I'm, I'm going to read the product description off of Amazon. Shades of Milk and Honey is an intimate portrait of James Ellsworth, a woman ahead of a time in a world where the manipulation of glamour is considered an essential skill for a lady of quality. No, no, you're doing good. No, keep going. You're you're doing great. But despite the prevalence of magic in everyday life, other aspects of Dorchester society are not that different. Jane and her sister Melody's lives still revolve around vying for the attentions of eligible men. Jane resists this fate, and rightly so. While her skill with glamour is remarkable, it is her sister who is fair of face, and therefore wins the lion's share of the attention. At the ripe old age of twenty-eight, Jane has resigned herself to being invisible forever, but when her family's honor is threatened, she finds that she must push her skill to the limit in order to set things right, and, in the process, accidentally wander into love, a love story of her own. No, that was very nice, honey. Was that good? That was better, right? I don't agree. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think, though, I think Should the I problem... Should I finish this beer first and do it again? I, they might loosen your tongue a little bit. I think the problem might be that she did a type of British accent with which you're not familiar because your family is from a different part of England. Okay. Or I'm just full of shit. Okay. 
right. Now I will say, um, so obviously this book is, this woman is, has written a book, um, involving magic, but in the Jane Austen error, era, error. Right. And actually, I, I listened to a podcast that Mary helps co-host called Writing Excuses. It's got uh, Brandon Sanderson uh, and, let's see, there's a Howard and a Dan. They they don't know them. But Mary is actually an American, or at least her accent is American. So it caught me completely off guard when the audiobook started up, because I knew it was read by the author, and it was a British accent. Now, it wasn't a crazy British accent like Pride and Prejudice or Emma was on Audible. But it was it was surprising. Well, and the problem is, it's me. It really is me. It so, is you. Mary, it is me. So I apologize. Since, I, since we know you're going to hear this, Mary, we, we're, she's it's sorry. Me. This, is why, this is why I didn't like your, your accent. Um, I love Jane Austen. Pride and Prejudice is probably my favorite book of all time. Um, I, and I love listening to the Jane Austen books, and I literally make sure when I download a book, I, I do the sample first, I listen to the sample, to make sure that the accent is as obnoxiously British as possible. (laughs) I like it thick, and, uh, and annoying, and barely, barely understandable. Um, so that's, that's what I prefer when I listen to my Jane Austen-esque books. Now, now, not being as quite the connoisseur of Jane Austen as you are, I did not find Mary's accent unbearable. I thought it was pleasant. I thought it was understandable. Uh, I find that her range of characters isn't isn't too bad. Um, I, I, I will say I tend to not care for female narrators as much because I don't find that they usually have the range, but uh, Mary did a pretty good job. I thought she did good with the, the characters. Even, and, and that's that's my next challenge is to, to read with different characters. Read with characters because you're going to yeah. audition for Audible? Because that, I mean, I'll be honest, it's not even, it, it because I've been listening to a lot of Will Wheaton and I know what his characters sound like now. Right. And I know he's an actor. Right, but Will Wheaton actually, as good as he is, doesn't push a huge range into his characters. But, but from an actor, I expect that ability. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm assuming, I don't know, Mary. I don't know what you do. You know, when you're She's not writing novels, I don't know if you... I actually, I actually, one of my notes is about what she does when she's not writing novels. Okay. She's a puppeteer. All right, then maybe she does already know how to do characters. Exactly. And so that's, I guess, that's what's crazy to me is people who can do these characters, um, and and make them sound consistent throughout the right, whole. Right, right, right. Giving book. each character a voice is pretty impressive. And keeping that, because, like, for example, um, the the father figure in the book. Um, mm-hmm. um, I forget. I forget all of their names. The, well, the last name is um, Ellsworth. Ellsworth. Mr. So Mr. Ellsworth. Ellsworth. You know, he doesn't have that many parts. Henry. Henry Ellsworth. It, it, well, Henry was the, the one captain. Oh. Ah. I'm not good with names. Um, I don't remember the captain's name. But anyway, um, I, I, you know, the fact that when he comes up later, when she hasn't used him for a while, used that voice for a while, it just sounds consistent. So I will say that. Right, and and generally the the trouble I have with female narrators on Audible is that I usually have trouble telling apart their male characters. The female characters I have no problem with, but generally I find that 
at least in the books I've listened to, the female narrators have only had one or two male character voices, and if there's more characters than that, I, I, I get kind of lost. Now, I mean, in their defense, I've had male narrators do the same thing with female characters, but I, I, I it has been less often in my in my experience. Um, so I'm just gonna after all of that judgment, I guess I'm just gonna say <laughs> I really loved the book. Did you, I? I am not surprised. I it's. I loved it on a level of, you know, I can only read Jane Austen's books over and over again so many times, so it was something different, but still thick of that oh, time. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Now, now, bear in mind that I've only read two Jane Austen books. I've read Emma and Pride and Prejudice. Um, I want to say I may have seen another one in a movie. And I can't remember. I know. I've read... I've read Emma, Pride and Prejudice, and Persuasions, and I can't... I know the story of Sense and Sensibility in Mansfield Park. I can't remember if I read them or not. I probably did, but I can't remember. So I know them all. Right. Much. Right. And I gotta say, there is no... The description of this book did not need to mention Jane Austen for me to have got the Jane Austen out of this book. Yeah. I almost, and I, and I hate to be critical, because I, too, I actually did enjoy this book. I, did you really? Yes, I did enjoy it. However... Because I'm reading the rest of them. Are you? Well, yes. good, I, then I better enjoy it, because uh, my wallet's going to. Um, I, I will say, though, that I almost found it too, like... Ha! Jane Austen, get it? Like, it was a, some... At some points of the book, it was a little too much. I mean, she... she Mary hit... Every Jane Austen plot point that I'm familiar with, which is only two out of her like seven or eight books. Well, there, there's. I I would disagree that it was on too thick. Me reading this book, this is. I don't know. I I love fantasy and science fiction. I love fantasy more, but we've been doing a lot of science fiction. I felt like this was the book that I would want to write if I could write because. This was every Jane Austen character yeah. in one story. Yeah, I know. That's kind of my point. And I, I thought that was great. I mean, yeah, no, it was good. Like I said, the book was good. I just I but it found was like, it... It was like someone who loves Jane Austen so much and like, I'm going to, I'm going to build characters off of everybody. And like, so I, I got really excited and that's why I was, I finally did take notes. I just did, like, right before we did this. I've been thinking about this all week. Uh, like, I I enjoyed so much. So for Jane, Jane, for example. The character, not the, the author. The, the character, the, the main character is Jane Ellsworth. And what I, the mix, of course, you know, first and foremost, you think Elizabeth Bennet from Pride and Prejudice. Because oh, she's absolutely. Clever, um, you know, uh. She's she she's doesn't a fit. She's a strong female character. She doesn't fit the social norms as much uh, because she's an that's old, the, that's the big piece. an older maid who doesn't really seek, right. you know, the, those relationships as easily. But and you didn't read Persuasions, but Jane was also Anne Elliot from Persuasions. Anne was a very plain, like unnoticeable person, very quiet. Um, so. Like, I thought that was impressive to make a character be... And I also think that she's Emma. Yes, Emma, I caught. Um, especially in her relationship with her father. 
That's part of it. And um, and with her relationship with Dunkirk. Right, sort of, yeah. Which which kind of came off until until that's towards not the end. I she By the way, we are going to ruin this book. So if you plan on reading it, you it's probably want to stop. Review. They should I, be listening to this. I know. So, but, but yeah, but, but I, that's not why I thought she was like Emma. Why? Because she had all those talents with painting and the piano and the singing. That was Emma. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, her relationship with Dunkirk wasn't brotherly sisterly. Like, they weren't banter back and forth enough, because Emma and, and, uh, what's-his-face were... Knightley. Knightley were very close and comfortable That's, that's, that's true. I actually, I don't know what you think. I, I couldn't really pin Dunkirk. See, I saw him as kind of a, a Knightley character in his appreciation for, um, you know those arts as opposed to classical beauty per se. Cause I mean, he straightforward okay. said, I would rather, I would rather a woman with sense and taste than a okay. woman who was good to look at. Maybe, maybe, uh, some which of is them. a very knightly kind of view. I, I mean, maybe it's also a kind of a bit, bit, bing, bingley? Bingley, that's bingley. What I was maybe yeah. a little bit of bingley. Yeah. yeah. Although I always found Bingley to be a very shallow character. He wasn't, I don't know, I don't know if I'm shallow, but money. he was, he was certainly more reclusive. Uh, where Dunkirk was not. Dunkirk was very engaged in the social go- ongoings of, of the of the town, where Bingley was not. To be honest, anyone who likes Jane Austen would love this, because I found that mixture, as I'm reading it, oh, that reminds me, you know, of Frank Churchill, or no, now that's George Wickham, you know, so it's, you know, the bad character, you can see, like, how he, it's like... Are you pulling these characters out of your mind? Like I, I no, cannot... I wrote some down. Oh, good, I because I, those. I can't. Re- like I, now that you've said them, I remember, but yeah. I can't just. Pull well, that's out. why I looked them up because I, I didn't remember Anne Elliot's name. Like I, and like Melody, um, I mixed her with Lydia, obviously Lydia um, Bennett, uh, Marianne Dashwood. Actually, that's who I thought of her, Melody, right away um, from Sense and Sensibility, because that that character, she just. Just over dramatic. Everything that's just the end of the world, and, or the most wonderful thing well, ever. Well, I like, kind of that kind of bipolar. <laughs> right. I kind of saw Melody. Well, a little bit of uh, um, Elizabeth's sister that ran Lydia. off. That's Lydia. That ran off with the soldier. Lydia Bennett. Uh, I also saw kind of Emma's friend, her kind of ditzy friend who didn't really get everything. Who was very nice and very sweet, but. Yeah. Very kind of okay. just, just kind of not aware of what everything that was going on. You didn't see her more as uh, Beth. Beth. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, I can see that. I just although I also pinned uh, Beth as Darcy's sister. Yes, that's who I that's who I saw as Beth. Yeah, but then so we would say Mr. Vincent is Darcy, but I couldn't think of who else to combine him with. Oh, Vincent. See, when I said Bingley earlier, I think I meant Darcy. I think I think of Dunkirk as kind of a Darcy character, just yeah. without the social. That's what I was wondering. You were going to say, and I would completely disagree. Vincent, I immediately pegged as Darcy. Um, well, he certainly fills that Darcy role. I don't. I don't disagree with you there. I meant as like a personality and a character. Who, wait, Darcy is the one who with all the pride. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, I would. Dunkirk as Darcy. Dunkirk, the one with the 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 one with so much honor that he's going to kill a guy. That well, I was a little shocked by that. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna come back to that whole scene because I 
That's where she way deviated from Austin, finally, was that whole sequence. But let's let's come back to that. So, you're saying that Vincent is... Vincent was more of a Darcy character because of the kind of... Especially the initial, when you initially meet him, he's very dark. You know, his a sour, grim face. You know, he's he doesn't seem pleasant. Um, and then... But later, he is, he writes, well, in this book, he writes that whole, that whole journal that Jane reads later, where in Pride and Prejudice, Darcy, you know, writes the really long letter to Elizabeth. Oh, I see. Darcy's okay. not good with words. Well, he's neither not. Neither is Vincent. He, right, okay. Neither is Mr. Vincent. Um, Interesting. Where Mr. Bingley was um, in Pride and Prejudice, the man that uh, Jane fell in love with. Elizabeth's sister. Oh, Bingley was Darcy's friend. Darcy's friend. Right, Bingley was okay. Yeah, so he's, Bingley was very Dunkirky too because of the just the social. He just has grace money and, and he has a lot of social grace. Yes. Right, but just very, again, just very, not sh- like a shallow person, but shallow as a character. He just he has money. He's polite. He's looking to to marry somebody. Right now, I would say if I like I, again, I've only read the two Austin books. But I will say that Vincent, to me, doesn't fit any of those characters well. He, well, he doesn't fit them well. And that's why I only wrote, wrote Darcy down. And I had, I was almost thinking maybe, because in Emma, you know about Frank Churchill, who was very mysterious um, at first. But everyone was kind of in love with Frank. So that wasn't the case with Mr. Vincent. I would say that if it, it, this is gonna, you're not going to agree with me at all on this. But Vincent almost reminds me of Elizabeth's dad. You know, not obsessed with the social aspects of life. He believes that people should follow their dreams. And, I mean, he, he has himself because he had to distance himself from his his regal family because he was an artist. God forbid. Yeah, I disagree. Because I, I pretty much think that Jane's mom and dad were Elizabeth's mom and dad. Yeah, I could see that. Um, there was one point where... And maybe I was hoping that this would happen in, um, I believe it's Mansfield Park. The mother in there is just very, she's worthless. She gets upset very easily and she goes and lays down. She doesn't say very much. She just seems very useless. Um, but at the end of Mansfield Park, she notices, um, and I'm drawing a blank on the names. She notices the, the main character and actually her son falling in love. And it's almost like she's the only one that's noticed. Right. And, and and you realize, oh, she does know what's going on. So there was that moment for Jane's mo- mother in in this book um, near the end when the shoot after the shooting happened. She kind of had a moment like, okay, you need to, you know, everyone's upset. You need to take us home. Like she started taking care of everybody and started oh, paying attention. I didn't, you know, honestly, it didn't even draw us through Because the rest of the time she's been Elizabeth Bennett's mom. Spend it the whole time. All right. Now, to pull meta on this, how much... So, assuming Mary does listen to this, how much do you think she's going, like, man, these two idiots didn't get anything right? That's what I would be curious about. Like, which is her favorite book? Does she love all of them? Does she read all of them? It seems to me like she did. Because I'm sure she did. Mix, I mean, there's... there's there there, a that's, mix of all the books. That's pure like, research right you know, there. Did you know? I wondered, like, did she sit down and and say, "These are my favorite features of all of these characters. I'm going to use them to build Jane." You know, like, or or 
does she, I don't know, does she just think of the, the time period and love that, that type of storyline? And build these characters and realize that she was using pieces of these Jane Austen. Right. You know, I'm, I'm right. curious how you go through that. Yeah, you're wondering if she did it intentionally, like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna build a character based on these ones, or she just read them all and was so inundated and immersed, rather, yeah. that she just kind of can write a story like that. I don't know. Yeah. Because um, I really enjoyed that, I'll be honest, as I was reading. Yeah. I really did. Well, that's good. Yeah. Now... Let's talk about the glamour. Okay. So, for those of you who have not read this book, why are you listening to this podcast? However, uh, welcome. And the books, though it is set in a kind of Jane Austen era and definitely a Jane, Jane Austen milieu, uh, there is a an element of actual magic involved, as opposed to the, the kind of fanciful term magic. There's actual magic involved. This is a fantasy genre. Um, I think I saw a description somewhere that said this is the book that Jane Austen would have written if she wrote fantasy. Yeah, uh, I believe that. Um, now, Mary, as I said, I don't know if she still is or uh, did previously and is now just a writer, but she was a puppeteer. I found that the parallels between glamour and puppetry are very interesting, especially when Vincent was doing the shadow play on the coffee table. Right. Um, you okay. know, the, the idea that, that you're giving life to something that is otherwise lifeless. Right. Okay. Um, to me, just, I was like, oh, yeah, because like she's a puppet. Or like the, um, when they did the dresses. Oh, the tableau vivant? No, not the tableau vivant. When they did the dresses, when they were going into the, um, the store and picking out, she was picking hmm. out the silk. That's right. The little, the little, the little mannequins. The little mannequins. That's right. Okay. Yeah. To show what the dress Yeah, so I wonder, too, like, I wonder if, you know, that, uh, it's obvious to me, at least, that the puppetry has an influence here, and I wonder if that was intentional, or just kind of that's her experience, and that's what she ended up using. Right, what you know. Exactly. And, and, and it's, it's just, I mean, as a magic system goes, and we're both pretty familiar with a bunch of different magic systems, um, just to, you know, go ahead and dork this podcast up as much as possible. The system itself is very interesting to me. Um, apparently you can control light, uh, at some points you can control energy because they had the cold monger right. who could make you cold, right. um, which is kind of a, kind of a, an interesting right. theory. And it's clearly, their use of the term ether makes it sound like, um, that they're, she's relying on a sort of 18th to 19th century science in order to base her magic system, even though in today's world and in our real world, we have debunked the concept of the, of the ether. Right. So I don't know. I thought the magic system was, was not only cleverly integrated, it was a clever system in general. Yeah. I think it was really well integrated because it just, it just seemed a natural part of the story. Um, and it was, I mean, there's, especially in the Jane Austen era, you know, it's the women are trying to find wealthy men to marry. Like, that's the whole point of everything. Right. So it's just another way for this upper middle class, upper class echelon to show off. You know, right. It's just, it's just another way for there to be a re- another reason for pretty dresses and parties. So it was kind of a neat addition to that to, I don't know, give a little something else, especially for this day and age of people to read these types of books. Right. Now... 
I'm a big kind of world-building guy, so I like things to be, you know, consistent and interesting. And I haven't read the rest of her books. But I wonder, though, how much she has thought about the implications of this kind of stuff. She mentioned a couple of times that, you know, oh, the military doesn't use glamour, which struck me as kind of odd. Right. Not that, you know, okay, I understand Vincent's invisible bubble trick was very tough, and he may have been the first person to invent that. But I feel like the fact that the mannequins are such a commonality that there are certainly uses for at least a little bit of glamour on the battlefield. I wonder if that's going to happen more in the other books, because I did kind of read a little excerpt. Oh, you cheated! Yeah, to see... Well, I was curious, because the book, like, ended where they got old and were about to die. Like... Oh, you wanted to see if the rest of the books were about them. I thought maybe it would be about different people, because I felt like their story ended, but it actually, the next one goes on about their honeymoon. Well, yeah, because it says in the book here, like... They go on all kinds of adventures, but those are stories for other volumes. Suffice it to say that they live long, happy lives. Which kind of, I don't know, doesn't that kind of, like, eliminate any of the consequence of whatever they're doing in the next few books? Yeah. Like, you know they're going to make it through. Right. Ah. You know how much I hate that. Oh, do you? Well, yeah, like Robert Jordan's books. Oh, well. There's no consequence. But you don't know for, well, yeah. The The only time real people started dying is when Sanderson took over and made them better, apparently. Yes, and uh, Brandon Sanderson, if you listen to these podcasts, or if I ever meet you, thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, apparently, I've got I've got several relatives who 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 would send the same uh, vibe at you. So I don't know. I, I I found like the world was interesting to say. Okay, Jane Austen with this inserted magic. However, I have. I'm curious as to whether a society like this would develop. Well, I think that's what I'm saying, is I think things will develop in with, the next with books. The, right, right, right. I just, okay, I see what you're saying. I think they will. Okay, I'll, I'll buy that. Now, you had mentioned the the gun. I want to get to one more point before oh, that. Oh, sorry, we're going by his notes. He well, because my notes. notes are chronological with the book. Oh, okay. Okay. How... The hell did Jane... How was Jane surprised when Livingston and Melody were a thing? Well, I knew, but... I mean, I knew too, and she knew. But she was... What do you mean she knew? At that party, he was all over Melody. Yeah, but then... Okay, but Jane, you have to think of her mindset. She's a woman of propriety. Okay. And she talked to Beth. And Beth told her that they were engaged, but it had to be a secret. And she didn't think that it was a danger. Because Mr. Livingston was a respectable captain. Captain Livingston. So she didn't think anything of it. So she wouldn't suspect that her sister was also engaged to him. He was was out of the picture because he was engaged to someone else. Because no one has ever done this before, ever. In right. Well, in her life. Okay. I, her I guess. Life. I guess I could buy that. So, so in she, her naivete, that's that wasn't even a possibility. Right. You got to think in Jane Austen. Right, and and actually, that's a note I had was that this is kind of a Jane Austen theme because. Uh, oh yeah. In both of those books, Jane Austen's main character was completely oblivious to something pretty obvious to us. To us as the readers. No, absolutely. But not to them. But at in that this time, case, at that time, that was un. Thinkable. In this case, though, I felt like Jane knew that Knight, uh, Knightley, um, what is his name? Kate, Kate, uh, Livingston. Livingston. Livingston 
was all over Melody, and he, and you know, she, to the point where propriety was an issue, and then suddenly she sees him kiss Beth, and suddenly she's like, "Oh, well, I guess he's not all over Melody. I guess we're done. Melody is done. Poor Melody." I just didn't. It didn't feel like a natural. I didn't. I didn't. Her mindset didn't make sense to me. And then, and then not only that, but she was so surprised when Melody was meeting him in the in the in the labyrinth that she was taken aback physically. So I just I well plus because she had seen him be intimate, you know, with another woman. So this was just. That was probably very shocking, and it was her sister. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, I guess. I guess I, I, I wasn't in the correct mindset for the proprietariness. It's the propriety, yes. They're not going to think, well, maybe it's him. Like, no, he's off the table now. Okay. All right, well, that's fine. Uh, okay, I'll, 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 I'll cede to your greater Austonian expertise here. Yeah, but I've never taken a class in it. <laughs> no. Well, I think Mary has. Uh, yeah, I think she teaches the class. She teaches it, yeah. Okay, the duel. The duel to me, and and I've only read two books, but the duel, the entire situation did not feel Jane Austen to me. It's not. I was, yeah, I agree. I was. Because they can't hear your head rattle. You have to say no. I was completely thrown off by that. I was like, I don't know. You could just kill people. <laughs> that was a thing. You that, just, I I you I'm not kill an, I'm not an expert on Georgian uh, era England. However, I gather if it's a proper duel, yeah, you could. Because Buffy didn't show up. I was like, do you need a second? And Captain Livy says, like, no, nah, I'm good. I got this. And then he shot Buffy. That's a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I just my point isn't even so much that the scene was unnatural for the time period because I don't think that's true. Um, I, I trust Mary to have researched better than that. Um, I, my problem was that that's not the way Austin resolved issues. No, and, but that's, I was, I was shocked by it, but I was thinking maybe this was Mary's way of trying to be a little different. I, I would say, I would agree. That's a very, it's a much more modern solution to, there's a much more modern climax to a story than I would say Jane Austen, like, had. Um, the idea that, you know... Well, and I mean, if you think about it, and it was, the consequences were, you know, a dowry, or um, your family's honor, and it's almost like, who cares? Just run off to Scotland with her. Like, so maybe, maybe even to Mary, it was, you know, those type of consequences just aren't enough for a modern reader, even with this magic. So maybe I need I need to do something different. Maybe up the stakes. I, I don't disagree. I, I think yeah, that I that's... Was, I was... Now, and, and, and this kind of goes part and parcel with the duel. I was not convinced by how quickly Jane dropped Dunkirk like a moldy sack of taters and went straight for... Vincent. Well, I was wondering the whole time, like, how is this going to get resolved? Is this going to be a Hunger Games kind of, you know, you're the, because... Oh, 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 with, uh, yeah, with, with Gale uh, and, yeah, Gail and Peta, yeah. Is it, you know, or is it going to be, uh, um... <laughs> is this going to be embarrassing? Are you about to say something embarrassing? Yeah, or is it going to be a, um, 
Sparkly, sparkly vampires. Oh, uh, t- twi- Twilight. Twi- Twilight. Yeah, yeah, with Edward and Where she's Steve really in love Jacob. with one, but still kind of in love with the other. I didn't read those books, by the way. We saw sparkly vampire movies, though, because yeah. someone wanted to see them on opening night. Not was, me. No, it was Kelsey. Yeah, well, you, she's not here. She's your sister, so yeah. I blame you by proxy. All right. Anyway, I, I was, so I was wondering how she, because I knew, like, okay, she's going to be in love with both of them. How is this going to work? So, yeah. And, 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 and I didn't, I, because this is me, I didn't know which one was going to be the one. Right. I didn't either. Oh, which well, really? I think Right, right? Because I'm not usually surprised by stuff like that. No. Wow. So, Jane Austen has, like, because there was a while where Elizabeth was kind of Bingley and Darcy, and then she didn't like Darcy because of the letter, but then the letter showed up and he did like him and all this stuff. But my point is that... Elizabeth never liked Bingley. Bingley was always for her sister, Jane. Oh, well, there you go. What do I know? My point is that she was kind of like, oh, Vincent, meh. Vincent's book shows up, and Melody points out to her, like, he professed his love for you in there, duh. And she sees it, she's like, oh, the muse. However, that aside, she had been kind of hot for Dunkirk almost the whole book. Then this duel happens. Like her whole life. Right. And then this duel happens, and... I I was I was willing to go. Okay, she's gonna have to pick one eventually, but it, I wasn't convinced by how quickly Dunkirk fell out of her favor and how quickly Vincent rose right up into it. Yeah, it was a little. I I, I didn't choppy there at the end. Right, and I guess I I don't know. Or it quickly almost done. Like, it almost felt rushed. It was rushed. Yeah. Just I mean, not the whole book, just that, that aspect end. of the relationship. But I would say, in Mary's defense. That's what I feel like usually at, at the end of every one of Jane Austen's books. Where it's like, oh, love, kisses, marry, yeah. done. Yeah. It seems That's... very, very rushed. My favorite rushed love ending is, is would be Persuasions, which I, was my least favorite book. Um, I, I had to read it again. I had to read the whole, because it was like they just had a conversation like, oh, you know what, I think we're in love. Like, I was like, wait, what? That was it? Now, okay. All right, whatever. Like, right. So I, I, it does kind of, they kind of rush at the end for some reason. I, I, yeah, and I guess I wasn't, a, I wasn't, I didn't have a problem with the speed of the Vincent and her relationship. I think one of them should, should have died. I had a problem with the speed at which hers and Dunkirk's relationship fell apart. Yeah. Because it literally happened in the course of what, an hour? Yeah, one of them should have died. Because. I'm a big fan of one of them dying. I don't know. It was, it was, I, and I think, I think. That the reason she was done with Dunkirk is because he went to the duel when she t- asked him not to. Yeah, well, and I i mean, I also thought that was inconsistent with his character. The duel? Yeah, well, that, that anger to want to go kill someone. Why? He killed that other guy. I know, and it seemed, com- like, not part of who I would expect him to be at all. I would have not expected that type of rage in a person. In his, in him. In Dunkirk. He didn't... Uh- he didn't seem like the type of person that would go and shoot somebody. He had dueling pistols on his mantle. Like, I was, I was like, wait, what, he, he killed the glamour? No. He didn't, he didn't kill him. What? Yeah. No, he killed that guy in a, in a manly duel of manliness. I was shocked by that. He, he ju- I just didn't seem consistent with his, with. Uh, it's, it's men. You know how men are. We just gotta whip out our guns and kill people. That's how we work. Hey, I didn't write the book. No, not buying it. 
I don't know. I didn't think that it was inconsistent with his character because, I'm going to be honest, I didn't know enough about that aspect of his character to say that. Okay. I knew about his character in a social sense. I knew about his character as far as Jane was concerned. And maybe that was kind of Mary's idea. We only really ever got Jane's point of view throughout the entire book. So you don't really know what was going through Dunkirk's head. Because we only ever know what was going through Jane's head. Right. Well, that's so how it is with all the books. You only know what's going on through. Through one character. Right. So you don't know that, you know, Dunkirk might have a whole history of killing people. I mean, he's definitely got the one guy. He's killed, as far as we're concerned, he was, he has killed one guy and was ready to kill another until incidents. You got anything else? Was that the last of your notes? That was it. That is it? I think I have, oh no, my notes turned off. Okay, so, I think that might have been, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty, I will say, and this is my ignorance, I had to look up Tableau Vivant. I didn't know what that was. It's a thing. Tablet. It, it's French a tablet. It's live. Show. I forget what it stands for. Live table or something. Live performance. But what basically what an actual tableau vivant is, is a scene staged by people standing still. So I saw one where there were like some men on horses, and there was a mine cart going by in front of a plantation with a guy on top of the plantation. This is on Wikipedia, uh, and it was like. The so-and-sos go mine the such-and-such. And And it was a television, so they're all standing still for a few minutes while everyone admires them, and they take a picture, and then they move on with their lives. So it's kind of like a painting done with real people temporarily. So I thought that... I thought that was kind of clever, to be honest. I thought that was a clever use of glamour, was the Tableau Vivant. Also, I now know how to pronounce Tableau Vivant. Yeah, there you go. Which Mary helped me, helped me do. What was the name of the dressmaker? It was another French name. Be- Be- Belle something or other, yeah. No, it was like, it would begin with an M. Oh, 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 you mean the, t- the yeah, she had a name, yeah, I don't remember, it was, it was, yeah, I thought you meant the name of the dressmaker, but no, you mean the title. The name, the title in my head for some reason is Marquis, another French word, but that's not right. I don't think so. I don't remember, it was something, yeah, well, right. anyway. we can put that in the liner notes, which I'm going to start doing. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so, I think that'll about cover the book. Uh, go ahead and give your, give your, give your, your, your short summary of what you thought of it and if you'd recommend it. What you thought of it and if you'd recommend it. We just, we just talked a whole bunch about what I thought of it. Well, just like a quick little soundbite. This is the, this is the wrap-up news. It's, it's, hey, here was a report about a bunch of people dying. Oh, and a bunch of people died. Just tune in next week for something else. So, what? What is? What is your? Give me a. Give me a soundbite. I liked it. I will read the rest of them because I'm a Jane Austen fanatic. So, if you are and you like a little bit of magic, then this is the book for you. All right. I will say that I also liked it, although I am not a Jane Austen fanatic. Um, I thought it was well written. I thought the audible version was very good. But would you honestly read the rest of them? Like, continue reading them and enjoy it. It's the kind of thing that I would probably read if only for completion's sake, as opposed to, like, this is fantastic, I want to get it every time. Um, for example, if I had read this right when she wrote it, and I knew she was going to take another five years to write the rest of them, I probably would just wait the five years. I wouldn't hang on every delivery date like I did for Harry Potter ten years ago. Um, but 
I liked it enough that I would I would read the rest, yes. Uh, whenever I get to them, which, by the sounds of it, will be next week if you're going to keep buying them all. So, speaking of next week, we have a surprise. Next week. We have a surprise. We do. What's our surprise? We have Rob. Oh, Rob is going to do it. Yes. Oh, uh, for those of you who are on the Legendary Pants site at all, so probably it's a special one treat. One or two of you. Very that, special treat. That would be Keokri. And yeah. Uh, he is going to join us next week. What book are we talking about next week? Oh my god, we're going to read The Martian. I've already started rereading it, and I don't reread very many books, and I'm already like, God, I still love this book. <laughs> I uh, I have read The Martian twice now. I'm about to read it for the third time for next week's podcast. Rob, however, first time. He hasn't read it yet. Yeah, that's He's reading it right now. That's going to be great. So he was... I want to know what he thinks right now. I'm so excited. He, as far as I understand it, he enjoys the science experiments. That's what he said to me. So, oh, Rob. Yep. So, yeah. So, hopefully next week we will have that kicked out, and uh, we can all hear Rob's manly voice uh, as a nice juxtaposition to my kind of girly one. What beer are we drinking? Pfft. Something spacey. I think, I think as the guest, Rob is required to bring the beer. Rob will bring a beer. Rob will bring a beer. So, okay. Well... I think that'll about do it. This is uh, Legendary Pants Book Club, and I guess we'll see you next week.